Good morning, Sherwood Oaks family from all over and everybody that is checking this out at Sherwood Oaks, just an honor to have you. It's amazing that here we are on Palm Sunday. Would we have ever dreamed that we'd have a Palm Sunday like this, but we're all connected through Jesus Christ right now. I love this series that we're doing and we're concluding the Daniel series. And I remember months ago when Tom lined up all of these messages, I never dreamed just how relevant this series would be. So I'd like for all of you at home, just turn over to Daniel chapter six. We're also gonna be sharing this on the screen. You'll be able to see that. And before we do that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much. We praise you here on this amazing, unforgettable Palm Sunday. And the kids, oh my land, I'm like Tim. That video is such a reminder of the joy that we have in Christ and that we are all called to have a childlike faith. We thank you for the book of Daniel. We thank you for how relevant it is for what we're going through today. And it's in Jesus' precious name I pray, amen. Daniel chapter six. Uh, I remember when I was a kid uh, so long ago before technology was anything. And in Sunday school, um, I remember when they really wanted to make a point, the Sunday school teachers, they would use flannel graph. Now for all you kids at home, ask your, probably your grandparents what flannel graph is. But I used to love the story of Daniel and the lion's den. I mean, that is like a flannel graph favorite. And they would start putting all the elements on, but I could never, I could never imagine what that would be like to be there trapped in total darkness with lions. Daniel chapter six. Let's pick it up starting in verse three. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satrap tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could not find any corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find anything as far as basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has to do with the law of God. You see, here's what's interesting. If you go back to Daniel chapter one through Daniel chapter six, this is about a 70 year span. Daniel was captured somewhere between the ages of 15 and 18. Now he's in his 80s and yet he's so consistent. Did you notice what it said that he was trustworthy, uh, that there was no corruption? One translator said, no corruption means that he was not stained by the world. He wasn't negligent. No, here's what Daniel was. He was totally committed to his core values. And those values determined his decisions and his decisions determined his destiny. Daniel was a man of character. Even at the worst of times, Daniel was a man of God. Martin Luther King said this about character. The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but it's where he stands in moments of challenge and controversy. What is character? Some people say character is what you do and no one is looking. Others have said Characters, what you do in the dark. But I love what Smokin' Joe Frazier said about character. Now, once again, young people, 
you have no idea who Joe Frazier is. So ask your parents about Joe Frazier and his three epic heavyweight battles against Muhammad Ali. And I want you to listen to what he says about being prepared. He says, you can map out a fight plan or a life plan, but when the action starts, it may not go the way you plan. And then you're down to your reflexes. That means your preparation. That's where your road work shows. If you cheated on that in the dark of morning, well, you're gonna get found out now under the bright lights. Daniel's under the bright lights and he stands tall for God. That's what character is. The Marines put it this way, the more you sweat in training, the less you bleed in battle. How do we get prepared? for what life is throwing at us right now. And the way that we get prepared is we approach life the way Daniel did. Let's pick the story up in verse six. So the administrators of the satraps, they went as a group to the king and they said, oh Darius, live forever the royal administrators, the prefects, the satraps, the advisors, the governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce and the decree that anyone who prays to any God or man during the next 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue the decree, put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. And now Daniel learned that the decree had been published And this is the key. He went home. He went upstairs where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. And then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. How was Daniel able to survive for 70 years in a culture so far from God. Well, here's the spoiler alert. It's prayer. Matter of fact, we're gonna talk about why prayer is so critical for Daniel and why it is so critical for us. Did you notice what he did when the decree came down? He didn't protest. He didn't whine. He didn't go to the king and beg. No, what he did is what he had always done. He went to his home and he went upstairs and I found it interesting in research, the reason they had windows upstairs was it was all about people breaking into your home. Everything about Daniel was consistent with his character and he would look towards Jerusalem. I love that. He never forgot Jehovah. He never forgot where he came from. And as he looked to Jerusalem, don't you love this? He didn't complain, no. He got on his knees and he thanked the Lord and he asked the Lord for help. Now, some preachers over the years, it's easy to do this. Uh, You try to paint this picture of Daniel like maybe this was an act of rebellion. Like he came home and he stomped upstairs and he threw open the windows and he, he had this huge like crying out to Jehovah so that he could show everyone and demonstrate that I'm gonna die for my king, Jehovah. But no, not at all. That's not who Daniel was. That's not what's going on here. Matter of fact, if you look at verse 10, 13, and 16, Listen carefully to these words. Verse 10, as he had done before. Verse 13, he still prays three times a day. And verse 16, 
may your God, and this is Darius the king talking about Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, save you. This was so consistent with Daniel, it needs to be consistent with us. That's his secret sauce. It's our secret sauce. Pray. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for your friends. And there's no greater time to pray for one another than now to pray. Beth Moore said this, Jesus reveals himself to us in private so that he can reveal himself through us in public. It's in private that we draw our strength because there'll be an opportunity in public to reveal what Christ means to us. So Tim Thompson and Alan Burris and I uh, did something a few weeks ago. Perhaps you've heard of it. Uh, We heard that you could actually go to a restaurant and sit in the restaurant with other people. Do you remember those days? Oh, those were grand. And so anyway, we were sitting there at Bub's and I, I think Tim ate that biggest burger that there is. It just makes you sick at your stomach. I, I think he actually had salad, doesn't matter. But right before we prayed, I love this. Alan Burris, our waitress, her name was Emma, had a little name tag and he said, you know, Emma, uh, we're getting ready to have a word of prayer before a meal. Is there anything you would like us to pray for? And without hesitation, Emma said, yeah, would you just pray that I would be bold and more courageous here at work, standing up for my faith? And then right before we prayed, she said, how can I pray for you? So Emma, if you're out there and if you hear this, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for teaching an old man how important it is to pray for boldness and to pray for courage. Matter of fact, it's something I'm really excited about that's going on all over the United States. And I think it's gonna spread all over the world. Churches are coming together and it's called unite714.com. That's unite714.com. Go online, check that out. And this is their mission. Listen to this. Unifying churches, pastors, leaders, and individuals across the globe to pray for a miraculous healing of the coronavirus and spiritual awakening among the nations. So every day, and this is according with 2 Chronicles 7.14, every day at 7.14 a.m. and 7.14 p.m., just pray for unity. Pray for our churches. Pray for the world right now that is hurting. Let's continue on with our story in verse 16. So the king gave the order, And they brought Daniel, they threw him into the lion's den. And the king said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. And a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Here's Daniel unjustly thrown in a den with lions. And when that light was closing in as the the stone was rolled over, they put a seal on the stone to keep him there. Does that sound familiar? A story of putting a king, somebody that matters to God, in a cave and rolling a stone over it. Well, you're going to hear the rest of that story next week. And that also has a great ending, Easter. Here's Daniel in the den. 
And that den reminds me of what a lot of folks are going through right now. For so many of you, you feel like you're in a den for two reasons. For some of you, it's separation. Uh, there are loved ones, there are friends, and you haven't been able to see them because of the virus. Um, I think how heartbreaking it is that you can't see, some, some of you can't see your parents, your grandparents, your grandchildren. I know how hard that is. We haven't been able to see our little granddaughter Lydia for three weeks. I know how it breaks our heart. I know it's breaking your heart. But then there's togetherness. What's interesting about this situation is think of the hours and hours and days and days that you are spending more time with your family than you've ever spent before. Husbands and wives, families coming together for long periods of time. And because of that, this is the way we deal with things in the United States. People have a sense of humor about all this time that we're spending together. And I tell you, I have received a lot of posts. So I just want to share with you a few of the posts that I've found that I think are pretty interesting with, in regards to what we're going through right now. Here's the first one, and I hope you'll enjoy these. <laughs> Number one, I saw a parent scraping off the terrific kid sticker on their minivan. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it really wasn't that good. And here's another one. Expelled my kid from homeschool. <laughs> Whoa, a lot of homeschoolers in the crowd today. Okay, back down. Okay. Number three. These are getting better. This is for all the husbands and wives. <laughs> Day two of no sports. Just started talking to my wife. She seems nice. <laughs> Uh, it wasn't that good either. Okay, last one. This one is good. I told, this, I think Marie wrote this. I told my wife how thankful I was to have someone I enjoyed being quarantined with. And she said, must be nice. Yeah, it was that good. Okay. In all seriousness, I can't imagine what he was going through, what Daniel was going through. But Daniel realized something that we all have to realize, and that is simply this. Every day of our lives, we will encounter two lines that will require us to make one choice. Every day, we too have to battle the lions. Now here's the first one, is Satan. First Peter 5.8 simply says this, be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Verse 9, if you were to follow that, it goes on to say, you need to resist him. You need to stand firm in your faith because you need to know that the family of believers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. We know and we believe that Satan is real. And I believe Satan has a twofold strategy. It's the same strategy he's always had. John 8, says that he is the father of lies. And really, I think what that means is he's the father of half-truths. And through all the noise and through all the distractions, if we're not careful, there are these waves of discouragement and confusion that can easily take over in our lives. 
So what happens is, especially today, is technology with smartphones. So I read a survey that was done in St. Louis, and what they did is they surveyed 2,000 millennials and baby boomers about screen time. I mean, how much time are you actually on? What they found is they really were on the same timeline. Uh, they were on the phone a lot. Matter of fact, the average, and you can check this out on your own phones, uh, screen time was 5.4 hours every day. They pick up the phone, put it down and pick it up 153 times a day. And I thought, man, that is ridiculous. And then I checked my screen time the last two weeks, 6.75 hours a day. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't be on your phone. What I'm saying is, and I'm preaching to myself, be careful. Be careful because through all the noise and all the clatter, Satan wants to share with us that we should be fearful, which is the second part of his strategy. He loves for us to live in fear. You know, a lion's roar can be heard nearly three or four miles away. And what happens when a lion is going after his prey is that will either distract the prey or paralyze the prey. Because of doubt or discouragement or fear, that is what all of us have to deal with. But I love what Ann Voskamp said. Satan is a lion on a leash. You see, as I said before, every day you have to deal with two lions. There's another lion. Man, listen to Joel 3.16. The Lord will roar from Zion, thunder from Jerusalem, and the earth and the sky will tremble, but the Lord will be a refuge for his people, a stronghold for the people of Israel. I'm here to tell you there's another lion, and it's the lion of Judah. And the lion of Judah is unchangeable and unshakable. And when the church is fully committed to the lion of Judah, the church becomes unstoppable. Folks, you're part of the church. And I love what I see all over is this spirit of being unstoppable. Here's just a few examples. In New York City at seven o'clock every night, in all the neighborhoods and boroughs throughout New York, they throw open their windows downtown and all the neighborhoods and then they begin to clap and they applaud. It is a tribute to all the healthcare workers because that's when the shift change is taking place. In New Jersey, they call him the mystery man. It's a man holding a sign in front of the ER at Morristown Medical Center. And the sign simply says this with his hand on his heart. Thank all of you in the emergency for saving my wife's life. I love you all. Or maybe you saw on the video, which will tear you up. It's the story of a teenage girl named Coco. They tweeted all through the neighborhood that she had just finished her last chemo treatment. She was headed home. And as she was pulling in the neighborhood, we're not talking three or four neighbors, we're talking the entire neighborhood was there for her homecoming. She broke down in tears, and one of the signs was our favorite warrior. And I think about what's going on throughout the church all over. I think one example of this is Amy Porteous. Uh, Amy took up playing the ukulele. She's learned a couple of songs, one of them Amazing Grace, so that she can at least stand outside the window 
for her grandkids and especially for her parents that are in Hearthstone uh, Health Campus. What a way to just reach out and demonstrate love. And Sherwood Oaks, I cannot believe what you've been able to do in this crisis, how you're staying connected uh, through Zoom, through Teams, through Facebook, through Instagram, Twitter, whatever it takes that you stay connected. It's true. Jesus, the Lion of Judah, is unchangeable. He's unshakable. And that makes the church unstoppable. I'm so proud to be a part of a church that is unstoppable. And that's the church we all want to be a part of. Every day we're going to face two lions and we have to make one choice. Choose Jesus, the Lion of Judah. C.S. Lewis, who wrote Chronicles of Narnia, a matter of fact, this would be a great thing for kids to get into, is reading the whole series, Chronicles of Narnia. From the book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, there's a scene towards the very end where Mr. Beaver tells Susan, one of the children, that Aslan, who is the king ruler of Narnia, is a great lion. Susan is, Susan is surprised, but she's assured that Aslan was... A man, she tells Mr. Beaver, I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. And then she asks this question, Mr. Beaver, is Aslan safe? Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. He's the king of Judah. So whatever you're going through right now, whatever difficulty or fears or anxiousness, just turn that over to the lion of Judah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you, you bring us light when the times are so dark. You give us hope when it seems as though everything is hopeless and you give us help. So Lord, help us to continue to pray. We praise you for the Lion of Judah. We praise you for your love. We praise you for this time of year that reminds us of the sacrifice of Jesus who loves us so much. And it's in Jesus' precious name that I pray, amen.